Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Jess Messen Broadcast is hosted by Jess Fole, a visual artist from Baltimore, Maryland. Jess invites those who've inspired her to recount their tales of becoming professional artists and creators. Through sharing memories and stories, Jess and her guests relive experiences, discuss new projects, and foster new ideas, all while making sense of this crazy pop culture world we live in. Tune in weekly for a variety of guests ranging from musicians, designers, artists, and entrepreneurs who are actively creating the world around us. And now, it's time for Jess Messin Broadcast with Jess Full. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today on this beautiful Thursday. I know we have a big hurricane coming on the East Coast, so before we even get started, we want to hope and wish everyone well and to stay safe. And with me today on Lions Radio Network, Jess Messon Broadcast, coming to you live from Baltimore, Maryland, in my studio, we have a dear friend of mine, Eric Deutsch, who has been um, kind of along the Jess Messon ride since pretty much the first year of my arting. So, you know, he's definitely aware of, you know, the process and the climb of Jess Fole. So this should be a really fun conversation. Hey, E, how are you? What's up, Jess? How you doing? I'm good, bud. So I'm just going to introduce you real quick. Keyboardist Eric Deutsch makes American music pure and simple over the last two decades plus. He's earned a stellar reputation as a band leader and collaborator, working with artists like Stephen Bernstein, Theo Blackman, Roseanne Cash, Nels Klein, Charlie Hunter, Shooter Jennings, Nora Jones, Leftover Salmon, on and on and on. At the same time, he's made five albums under his own name, full of willfully uncategorizable compositions that combine jazz, funk, country, and rock into a swirling blend that jumps, struts, croons, and shouts his sixth album as a leader, Falling Flowers, will be released September 14th on Low High Records. So this is a really cool opportunity because we get Eric to tell us all about how it feels to be literally 24 hours away about from his album drop. So how are you hanging in there? E? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. You know, um, it's always, it's always exciting when an album comes out, I think, and it's because it's the culmination of like two and a half years or two plus years of work. Maybe more, maybe three years if you count when I first started writing some of these songs, you know. So it's uh, it's really exciting, and there's also for especially for an independent artist, but I think for any level of artist, there's a ton of work right before the album comes out in the months leading up. So I've just been, you know, I've been locked in, writing bios, sending out quotes, filling in websites, you know, the stuff in envelopes, going to the post office, whatever it is. I've been doing a lot of stuff uh, in the, in, over the summer, especially getting ready for this. And so uh, and here we are. Well, and that's a really interesting point because Eric plays in many well-known bands and he plays keys and piano for, um, you know, and has for years. But when you do your independent work, you know, that's kind of, it is exactly as, 
I say independent. So you don't have like the massive team managing you and everything to get the workout. So it's really a lot of self-motivation even to do the grunt work. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I, what, when I was just saying that, I, I was, and I started to say it's probably a lot of work for an indie artist, and then I kind of thought about like the, uh, I thought about I, an image of the, the kid who signed to the major label, and I was thinking they probably have a lot of work too. It's just different work, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, the, they're I, out I, there putting their fake eyelashes on and stuff, you know? Like, it's, well, yeah, well. I bet I bet the twenty one year old who's signed to the major label for their first record, I bet I bet the label's got them all day long and photo shoots and like, you know, you gotta be here for this. I bet they have them lined up doing a million things. The way it works with this kind of label uh situation what I'm doing, because I am on a label, but it's a small label for this record, mm-hmm. you know, of, of course of course, jazz music basically. So uh and and what it what it works is I do have I have a little team around me and it's a really good team. I have a good publicist. And I have a nice little label, and I have we hired a radio promoter. Um, the publicist is the syndicate, and Jeff Kilgore, and the, the radio promoter is Powderfinger. So we got a nice little team, but everybody's chipping in, you know. So, so for instance, you know, for the radio mailer, like I, you know, I stuffed the envelopes, and uh, mm-hmm. so did the label, and then, and then went down to the thing, and and I'm writing a lot of the content. I'm not hiring out people to write you know a lot of the bios and we we did have a nice uh writer write something for the album but you know it's just a lot of a lot of hands-on work and a lot of a lot of a lot of busy work on the computer just like every job these days i think well yeah and i mean there's and we talk about this a lot on the show you know the kind of artists we are and i tend to really have relationships with a lot of you know self-doers in the sense that we can write, we can promote, and we've had to, and we've been educated to. So it's kind of interesting, you know, if you have the opportunity to, you know, for, you know, forgo that and you give it to somebody else and then you read what they write about you and you're like, that's not right, man, at all. <laughs> I know. I know. It, yeah, like, it, it, that is, that is kind of like put yourself out on the ledge there when you do that. But, you know, it's like the thing about, about a career in the arts, like we've chosen this, this path we're following, is you have to, you have to collaborate. You can't do everything yourself. It's just like, it's just, it, it's not, it's not only like maybe physically impossible, mentally impossible, but it's just, I think it's bad for business, you know. So, so it's just like more, the more collaboration that you can that you can foster, and the more, you know, people that you trust or people that you allow into your circle and uh, just and force yourself to trust, even if you don't know them, I think it's just good in the end. And I've had a good experience with that on this project so far, for sure. You know, in, like, uh, you know, like you mentioned, I, we, we, uh, this guy who wrote this thing about the, the, the bio of the album, I think it's David Avery. I think he did a great job, you know, he was fun to talk to. And, um, another great collaboration that's come out of this record is, the video that I made for uh, Falling Flowers, I animated saw, video. So from, yeah, so Josh Clark of Tea Leaf Green exactly. and yeah. Eternal Jam Nation. And I don't even know if you know this, but you know Tea Leaf Green was the first band I ever toured with, right? Did you know that? 
I did not know that. I did not know Oh, that. my God, That's yeah. Great. I spent, like, a year with them on the road. Like, when I – just before, like, senior year of college and right after college. And then that was really how, like, my introduction into music and jam music and all that good stuff and a lot oh, of relationships. Nice. Yeah, a lot of relationships came from that. So I got a kick out of it when I saw you um, post Josh's video and – you know, here's the deal. Eternal Jam Nation, I've been a fan of Josh's artwork from the get-go. And uh-huh. so let's. that was one of my things I wanted to talk to you about. And also, I, I, it, I was laughing because I was looking up some of his old work today. And, like, I happened upon, like, his Hungry Hungry Hippo Hipsters illustration. Oh. And I was dying because it has, um, <laughs> it has like the Velvet Underground album, like Peel Here and See with the banana. And then it has bags of Cheetos everywhere. And he made it in 2009. <laughs> and I was totally living in New York at that time, like off Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> and like starting my whole Andy yeah, Warhol are. love of life. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I, oh man, I guess, I guess I learned something from you today that I'm a hipster. Oh no. (laughs) So how did you happen upon, you know, asking Josh to do this and what was the process of that? Like, did you, did you have a vision for the video or did you trust him with that? Cause I mean, he's excellent at what he does. Well, I, I, um, you know, number one, it's, it's pretty clear that videos are extremely important these days for any, any album, any music that you're releasing. It's really important. Like, and it's, and it's, uh, it's interesting because it's a different paradigm that, you know, they were important, like from the beginning of MTV videos were important, but it's a different thing now, you know? So mm-hmm. it's not that you're trying to get them uh, on, on TV or, you know, it's, it's not even that they need to like, to like get a hundred thousand views on YouTube it's kind of more along the lines of people aren't going to be that interested. It's harder to get people interested in your music without a video. Period. Yo, Don, you know? I was just thinking that I was like, you know, we're in a state where you even, in order to even get people to read news, they have to have some sort of like stimulated video moving in front of them for them to like catch what's going on. So, you know, you even describing this, my immediate thought was, you know, at this stage, in order for people to hear music, they have to see it too. It's like, they're not gonna, you know, just press play on their phone and look at a screen that just has like a triangle with a circle around it. You know, like they want to see something going along with it. Yeah. It's a lot less likely that they would. So so right away, I knew that I, I knew that this title track of, um, on the record was a little, you know, kind of a special song, and I was really happy with how it came out. It's the only song on the record that has vocals, and it features yeah, my Victoria, wife, Victoria. Yeah, Victoria, your, mm-hmm, your new wife. Reed. Well, it's like a year, Victoria Reed. Hello, V. I know you're listening. <laughs> and um, so, so yeah, it features her, and we collaborated on it. Where she wrote the lyrics, and I wrote the music. You know, and it's a special song, and so. I said, man, we really need something, something cool visually to go with this. And I've never done an animated video. So I, I you know, I've always, I'm interested in, in things and everything. Cool. Right. And that's, it's cool. And uh, Vince Herman, the uh, leader of Leftover Salmon, this band that I've been with now for about three years, he, um, he lives in Ashland, Oregon, where Josh lives. So one night on the tour bus, he said, hey, Eric, have you seen this? Have you seen this artwork by Josh Clark? And he showed me the video that Josh did for Reed Mathis's 
uh, um, electric Beethoven music, mm. and which is a trip because I actually played with Reed at the Beethoven Festival in Chicago in like 2011 or 2010 or something. So maybe even farther back, I don't know. But so I know that music, and I, I check out the video, and it's it's amazing, and it's kind of dark and a little twisted, but like just amazing, you know. And I kind of. And, and that is like a great I, way to describe not only Josh's art, but just like kind of Josh to a degree. He, he's a funny yeah. cat. <laughs> well, but this is also what I, in a way, what like how I like to kind of think of my jazz music is like classic on one hand, you know, and 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 you know, and and meaningful hopefully, you know, and but on the other hand, it's a little twisted, a little weird, a little psychedelic. You know, I, I I'm not comfortable with with things that don't have those kind of subversive elements, just a, even just a little bit, you know? So, Oh yeah. That's what um, makes it like curious and creative. Yeah. That, that's, that's where I, that's where I'm coming from. I think with that. So, so this felt like a good match and I contacted Josh and he was really, you know, he was really generous with, you know, offering his time and, you know, and everything. And, and you know what? I just, I just said to him, Hey, here's the story of, of where the title Falling Flowers came from. And the story is simple. It's Victoria and I were looking for a place to get married in Mexico. And we were outside the gate of an old mansion in um, the San Angel neighborhood. It's beautiful. And as we waited for someone to come let us in this place, some flowers from a tree just kind of started just raining down on us. You know, and it was a, it was a really memorable moment. And, just something I thought I, I just remember things about these falling flowers. So when um, when I contacted Josh and said, "Hey, here's the story of the title," and you know, um, let's uh, let's just do a video that's set uh, in Mexico. Maybe it's a love story, but then I said, but maybe it's kind of a psychedelic action adventure at the same time. And um, and I referenced the, uh, the film. I referenced a movie called Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, which is a, is a classic 70s, dirty action movie set in Mexico. And but that's all I told him. And it, I just, I, I don't know why, because I, I don't know Josh. I've never met him. And I don't even think we even talked on the phone. I think I just emailed him that. And um, six months later, the video was done. And I couldn't have been more perfect. That's so funny. I mean, because it's funny that you've never even met Josh. And like, I mean, I haven't. I actually, Tea Leaf Green's playing um, at Brooklyn Bowl on the seventeenth of November, and it's like pretty much ten years from our whole like New York City crew. And I think we're doing like this reunion. So this is just like really all kind of funny how it's coming together. And I hope you guys get to meet sometime because like he's a real trip in person. Like he's in in a sense his own animation. So when I see his work. <laughs> it really does follow suit with kind of his whole mo and like outlook on life and i just thought that this work was beautiful and it really did compliment you and victoria so you know it's just so neat to see two artists come together and then hear this story where it's actually even minimal communication because when you you have like an integration between like music and, you know, like a visual sense and then like imagination, you know, like it's kind of all you really need to share. And like, this is a great example. Like it's a wonderful product, you know, it's a wonderful finish. Thank you. Thanks Jess. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It's like, I say this all the time, but I'm a big believer in like talented people. And like, if you're going to surround yourself with talented people or, you know, even like higher talented people, you have to let them, 
do their thing because in all honesty, like, you know, if I had come with that as him with a, with a storyline that was more, you know, particular or specific, there's no way it would have been as good as what he came up with. I don't think that's how I think. So I'm very open to letting those around me who do things better than me do their job right. and do it their way. You know, I think it makes, in the end, it makes my, uh, my art better, my music, my product, whatever, however you want to, there you go. Well, 100%. Anytime you put, like, like, it's ironic to say, here's your boundary for creativity. And it's, you know, exactly. like, you, people come to me and they're like, oh, I love your work and I love your style, but. And I'm like, well, then, you know, it's not really my work or my style then, you know, and it's a very hard thing to, like, a, like a kind of, they, you know, an artist is supposed to be outside the box, right? And then it's like they put you in a box. Everything about you is great, but we want it like this. Okay, let me work on that for you. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's um, that's a hard thing for an artist. You know, sometimes you have to play that game, you know, to make a living. Like you talked, like you talked about, how do you how do you get there? You know, where this goes from a passion to an um, uh, an income. You know, and sometimes everybody's got to play that game. Hopefully within a, a a limit of what you're comfortable with, you know? And right. I think that I'm fortunate that I don't have to. I'm I'm, I'm in a lot of uh, situations now where I kind of, you know, set the rules of what I'm doing musically, and that's like, that's fortunate, but it hasn't always been like that, and it probably won't always be like that. So, you know, I think that's a, that's a great, a, a great thing, uh, a, a great notice, you know, something that artists have to notice when you have opportunities like that or jobs like that where you're in creative control, that how important and sometimes unique it is and how, how great, how, how lucky we are to have them and how important it is to hold on to those jobs. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I mean, even with some of the stuff that I'm doing, and I know that you've done over the years, you take a look at the opportunity, and we'll get into some of your, your back work in a minute here, but, you know, like, even with the stuff that's going on with my watercolors, like, this is a very conservative kind of art, especially for yeah. me. Would I necessarily yeah. have watercolors all over my home? No, not really. I like I like drippy <laughs> painting and things that look real weird and whatever, but I'm very happy with how the work looks and I'm comfortable with it being from me and out in the world and it being kind of a, a very dialed back version of what I'm into. And even though that that was like, you know, that was, it was a challenge for me to think that way and for it to, you know, come to fruition. It's good to realize that even though something may not be ideal for you, there's a way that you can work within it creatively to work for you. And I think a lot of people, especially creative people are like, Oh, I'm not doing that. That's so not me. And before you turn it down, you got to kind of like think about it and be like, where, how can I find myself in here? Like, what's my, you know, what's my limit? What's my level? Absolutely, and I think that you know that, but that also separates different kinds of artists because I I I know plenty of musicians who are have have come to a point where they said you know what I'm not going to do that I'm not going to do that kind of gig, or I'm I don't feel comfortable doing this certain going this certain direction with my music, and that's mm. totally okay too. And usually, what happens with them is they find another way to make money besides music to go along with their music, you know? Yeah. And that's totally okay too. Like 
I I personally feel fortunate that I am um, really satisfied making money with music, and that I also feel open to manipulating my music and, and shifting what I'm doing and trying new things. You know, so I've always been like willing to say like, okay, I, I think I'd rather just try to try to do that gig than not do that gig at all and find another way to make money. You know what I mean? So I've, that I've was one of my been, questions for you because yeah, I really I've relate to, to that. Yeah, I really relate to you in that way, like with your creativity, because like over the years that I've known you, you've spanned many genres of music while infusing jazz into it, which is one of the reasons why I love to come see your shows, because it's like, what is what does Eric have in store for me tonight? And it's, you know, always, you know, I really, really respect. And one of the things that I always say about visual artists, like, you know, you just keep repeating the same painting or the same look. And just like, you know, instead of doing Mickey, you're doing a mountain. And instead of doing a mountain, you're painting a car, but it's all the same style. And it's like, for me, personally, that's very redundant and very boring. I'd lose my mind. So what is it like? I would, I would go, I would go nuts. Like I have to try something new and keep myself like stimulated on the challenge or something. So is that what attracts you to kind of like swimming in all the pools of music? Cause I mean, the album you did with Shooter, that was very like country jazz is like a, like a folk hint to it. You know, like I felt like it was like super Nashville-y. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, that is what it attracts me, but it's not, it's, in a way, I'd say it's even more simple than that. And just that I like all these styles. I grew up with lots of different styles of music, you know, from an early age. And I'm, 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 I like, especially like with the country, when I started to get more um, calls for the country, when I, when I linked up a shooter and Roseanne Cash and, Shelby Lynn, and more recently, and Alice Moore. Like, I, I really like the, the challenge of, like, okay, can I be a legit country piano player, you know? That was a totally. cool challenge. So not only did I like the music and and uh, and, and wanted to do it, but, it, you know, there was a challenge in there, to, like, am I, am, I, am I for real in this? And I enjoyed learning the nuances of styles. So, like, you know, when I – I remember when I joined my first reggae band, I joined one in high school actually, and then did another one in college. And I kind of, I really dug like getting, figuring out what a real reggae keyboard player does, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. So it's in a way it's like, it's not out of like uh, uh, as much of desperation or or like need to do different things. It's just like total, I'm I'm open, just total openness and, and, uh, and inquisitiveness about the style, you know? Um, but like you said, like, you know what it is? Making records to me is really kind of satisfies this too because like you said, making the same painting over and over again, I, I couldn't do that. If, you know, if I was making the same record that I made back in, you know, the two, in the early 2000s, it would be, it would be a little sad for me. I would feel, you know, that just wouldn't be right. It, it's not natural, I don't think. You know, music changes so fast, like what we're into and what's happening out there in the world and, and, and the, you know, just the paradigm of who is good and what they're doing. And so it's like every time I make a record, it's a chance to kind of, to kind of reinvent myself and my style, you know, even subtly, you know, yeah. so that's, that, that's a nice that's a nice opportunity when you get it. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, first of all, this is why we're friends, because all, I love how you lead into every question I have prepared for you. This is your fifth album. When you revisit one through four, you know, like I do these, like, preparations of, like, in case I forget to what my ask my buddies about. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is when you look back on, like, your first few albums, what do you essentially hear about your playing or your craft or your composing that you can really notice you've excelled at or grown at you know since the beginning like for me like I can look at old paintings and be like oh my god I can't believe I left that there or like I would I would so not do it that way now you know what I mean so are there certain things that you know really that you can like articulate that you know like that you're really proud about that you can hear that you've gotten better at I, I mean, I think so. I mean, and, and just for the record, this is my sixth album. I, I couldn't sixth tell. Sixth album. If, if we, yeah, sixth album. And, you know, before the, before I made my first Eric Deutsch album, which came out in 2007, I think, um, or maybe 2006, before I did that, I had two albums with a band called County Road X in Boulder that I made that were kind of my albums also. And before that, we had three Fat Mama records, which I was definitely a part of um although yeah tell us about fat mama real quick because for those who are listening like the friend crew the one really cool thing about rock and roll and the way eric and i met was through michael weintraub weintraub lived across the hall from deutsch in a really big arty warehouse in brooklyn so when michael and i started collaborating together poor eric inherited our friendship anyway he didn't have a choice and (laughs) then well and you know what's fun about that is like the music friend is we all don't get to see each other all the time but we meet up along the road and you kind of like send your buddies out to support that are chill and fun and everyone really gets connected so Fat Mama is from you guys all went to school together tell us about Fat Mama because that's like a big start in your musical career I, I would imagine yeah, that, that, yeah that's the big that's the big start I mean and it, it just and, and, and like one of the lucky twists of my life it just it happened but you know the Within days of me arriving in Boulder, Colorado for college, I, I met these guys, and uh, we started this band, and our first gig was on Halloween in my freshman year of 1995 in Boulder, so that's, it just started right away when I went off to college, and I never really looked back, and the, uh, the guys, it was a group of guys in Boulder, mostly who went to see you to the college, but, um, uh, you know, Joe Russo, who joined the band a year after we started it, he had just moved to Boulder. He wasn't in college, but he was living in that town. And, and you know, that's what Boulder at that time especially was really, I think it brought in a lot of artsy people, a lot of musicians. It was really exciting. So we started this kind of aggressive, semi, you know, like aggro jazz rock fusion band, you know, that was like a little more intense than I think than uh, the, most of the music like that being made in Boulder and even around the country. Yeah, um, sure. al- although when we did set out on the road in 97, we, we did, we met other like-minded bands, you know, Lake Trout from your hometown or from your town, Baltimore and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Miracle Waters concern Boston and the flip from, uh, from Providence and Boston. And, you know, we started, we started meeting other bands that were uh, that were uh, in the same world as us, but we always had a nice edge, and that was a great start to the uh, music business for me. And in one, you know, not only did we go out on the road and we did all that stuff, but I, you know, at times I booked the band, we did our own press, we yeah. 
fixed our own cars. You know, we we kind of we kind of did everything in the whole business. So I kind of it, it was a real a real school of hard knocks and um and some and some good some good roles too. You know, on on uh, for a start in the music business. So when was it for you that you found? Because Eric and I met in New York around probably like 2007, 8, whatever, 9, who knows. But um, what, you know, where was it? Because by the time we met, you were already doing your own thing as a musician. You were pretty established. What was the moment for you when you realized, like, obviously music is a passion. I want to do this for a living. I want to be a creative professional. When that actual, that when that became actuality. I think that for me, it's um, it's a little. It, it was a little more. It, it was an easier path than than for others. But I'll just tell you how it happened. I basically did was doing gigs since even since elementary school, kind of, and it's, so I was always doing it, right? And mm-hmm. in high school, I started doing a lot more. I grew up in the uh, Washington D.C. area. We also lived in Nashville a little bit, but most of uh, you know the gigging got in D.C. in high school in the early 90s. And then what happened was I didn't, I kind of was of the impression that I, being a professional musician was too hard and that you kind of did something else to go along with it. So I always kind of thought I, I'd do music for probably another career. And part of the reason I thought that was because my grandfather had been a successful professional musician, but he was also a lawyer. Ah, yes. So that was kind of the thinking in my family from my dad, you know, like, hey, yeah, great, be a musician, but, you know, probably something else. So mm-hmm. um, I um, randomly got, went to the University of Colorado to visit. Um, I was the oldest kid. It was, you know, pre-internet. and was like college was a little bit like everything was mysterious about the process, you know, of applying. And so I went out to Boulder to visit some kids that I knew. It was a year older than me that went there when I was a senior. And I thought, hey, I'll just go uh, meet the jazz piano teacher and say hi, just in case I want to take some classes, you know. So I called him up, and I went and hung with him that weekend. And he said, hey, listen, if you uh, will do an impromptu audition this weekend, I'll get you a little jazz scholarship. It was just a little thing, a little bit of money. But it was enough, and it was to point me to that college, you know, because I didn't really Mm -hmm. know what I wanted to do. So that's the story. So really – this guy, Greg Dyes, he offered me this, this audition. He set it up. I did a quick little audition to the classical piano faculty, and they kind of said, well, he's not that great at classical, but we'll let him in since you think he's so good at jazz, you know, or whatever. And that was kind of the, uh, that was the beginning because from then on I was just like, wow, I'm a, I'm a music student. And then Fat Mama started right when I got out there, and all of a sudden I was playing gigs for, with, for fans, and, you know, we had a thing going. So I never really looked back from that moment on, and it was it was a stroke of luck because I could have ended up at you know University of Wisconsin doing like journalism or something. I, you know, I, th- I think back then it was, it was like oh, man, journalism. That seemed like never, that was like the go-to like default for like something like that. I don't know. Yes. Cool. I was like, yo, easy, Deutsch. I have a I'm a double in journalism <laughs> and marketing. I'm doing all oh, right. <laughs> and believe no, no, believe me, journalism is great. And I took yeah, I'm I, I took totally one, messing with you. I took the, 
I took the intro to journalism class at CU, and I was like, oh, my God, this is hard. Yeah, the glorified spelling, and it is, it's, a, it's a lot to keep up with. No, so, I mean, that's so great because, like, I'm a huge proponent of, like, I always felt for me that everyone was always like, oh, you're an artist, you're an artist. And I never really started calling myself an artist until people were paying me to do it regularly. And, uh-huh. you know, for you, that happened, you know, like you got some money to go to school that I consider that getting paid. I got paid to play lacrosse in school. So I totally hear you. Um, for you, it started <laughs> awesome. off professional. Yeah, well, um, but for you, I guess I'm like, mm. um, but for you, it started off professionally pretty young. And I think that's like such a great, like, you know, like push in the right direction of possibility and it wasn't until you know I really started working with Michael and I mean I I was lucky enough actually in speaking of Joe Russo he was the first person who ever bought a piece of my art really um at oh, the at the great. at the pop rock show in New York so and um he bought it for I think Dave Butler had it for a while I don't know where it is now but um <laughs> so you know, once, you know, I sold a few pieces at that show and then Michael and I collaborated and we started selling things regularly. I was like, yo man, I'm an artist now. And I was like going through the stages of calling myself Artie. And then once I got paid, I was like, yo, okay, I'm an artist now, you know, but I, I think that's, but thank God for that person that, you know, like saw that in you and like, cause you know, you, this new album of yours, I'm just so I'm so pleased with it. It sounds beautiful and it really does. I just finished it. I woke up early this morning and just sat with my coffee and was like listening to you. And it really does, I think, reflect on you. I was really like hearing you in it, seeing you in it. And I was even like your new life with Victoria and like, kind of like, just like a new, like kind of, um, I don't know, like a new beat to your step maybe. Oh, thanks Jess. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm happy with it. You know, I think that, um, you know, I, I, the, the first ones you make, you know, are, are I, I think the more you make, they're going to get better. You know, I think that's a little, the jazz uh, path is a little different than like pop and rock. Sometimes with a pop and rock record, an artist can make their best record first, you know, and we you see that all the time. And, and uh, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, that, you know, but that first whatever record, Pearl Jam record, even maybe, you know, right. that was the best one. But, um, but, you know, I think that with the jazz, it's kind of, it's a different kind of intellectual uh, pathway. And so you're, you're hopefully going to get a little more personal, a little more honest, a little better, a little, you know, a little more whatever, every, you know, every record, you know, I, I, you can't always beat the last one, but I think it, it, that's the path. And um, yeah, I think I'm happy with how this one represents where I'm at now. And, you know, like you asked earlier, I didn't really answer the question about how if I saw things that how I, Got, got, that I've got better at, or this or that. I don't know. I just think that it's, uh, it's. Uh, I'm proud of all the songs. I think that it's, it's real. I think it becomes a little easier to make the records, you know, in terms of make the music on them and lead the band. And I think that I'm, I'm better at putting together a band than I, you know, and I'm better at, at, uh, at one thing that's kind of interesting is I think I'm better at setting myself up to succeed musically than I once was. Um, because when I was younger, I kind of felt like that I I shine the most as a as a player and improviser when I worked with other people. 
like uh, Charlie Hunter or Ron Miles was always someone who really brought really amazing things out of me, or Art Landy, my teacher, who we used to collaborate with in a band where he played drums. So I always, I kind of felt like, yeah, my music's fun and all, but like I'm, I'm kind of best in playing for other people. I don't, and I don't know why, right. but I th- think I've gotten better in the last five years, especially about setting myself up in my band on my records to kind of do what I what I can to show what I can do, which is you know I think that's an important thing that you got to. It's it's something that I that is uh, it's esoteric, you know, in, in its nature. So it's hard to put your finger on exactly why or why not it works. But uh, I think that somehow I feel real comfortable playing my music these days. Well, that's I think the evolution of art too, because you know, um, and we were talking briefly before we signed on to the show that. You know, I think collaboration comes your way, and I can even look back at the early days when, you know, Scott Metzger motivated me to take my art seriously, and then through that, you know, I met other people and then really created the creative, visual, artistic relationship with Weintraub, you know, and Uh through all those relationships and those, like, mentorships, like, that was really how I built the confidence to then like step out on my own and I remember riding the coattails for pretty much as long as I could and then the guys being like yo it's time for you to go out there and do it on your own because you know like you do get into a mindset of I'm better as I'm better with somebody else but then you know I think at least for me I was like yo I might not be that bad if these people are are cool to work with me. So I was like, okay, I just have to try it. And it does take a few years to really get that motion of the ocean, like on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you're right. you know, and like really get your footing down where like you're comfortable with what you're saying and how people are perceiving you and how you sound and how you look. And I'm saying like, not only the work, but you, the person who's delivering it, like one of my, you know, big things about being a visual artist is, you know, it's only me when I put myself out there. It's it's just one person who made the painting. So if the painting looks like a big pile of shit, you know, like I don't have four bandmates to like fall back on and say, hey, oh, the percussion was off, you know, or like some something like that, <laughs> you know, like it's pretty much all on me all the time. So I get that, you know, with you know, trying to really like get yourself comfortable with, you know, not only receiving all the accolades, but anything else that may come of that, which I'm not worried about for you because this album is so beautiful. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. That's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's absolutely, that's absolutely right. You know, it's, you got to put yourself out there. You got to take ownership, you know, and, and uh, it seems like you've done an amazing job and we're all really proud of you and happy for you. That's for sure. Thanks, buddy. Okay, so I appreciate that very much. It's been a crazy few years together, but it's going really well. And I'm really, really finally, like, comfortable and having fun, and I'm just excited to see what comes of that. So, um, okay, Eric, will you tell us your um, cyber links so people can either download and buy the album, which we all want you to do first. It comes out tomorrow, September 14th. And tell mm-hmm. us how, where we can get it, your Instagrams, your Facebooks, all that good stuff. Yeah, well, my, my website is uh, hammerandstring.com. So you can always go to that place for uh, links to, uh, to things and to find out what's going on, where I'm playing. The record's on Low High Records, L-O-H-I. 
You can always check that out. Um, my Facebook is Eric Deutsch Music. Uh, my Instagram is at Eric Deutsch. Um, and uh, you can uh, you can find them the record on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, everything. Tomorrow, titles. It's all it's all it's out everywhere. So you can uh, you can SoundCloud, Bandcamp, whatever. So you can check it out. You can find it from anywhere. And I, I think it's I guess it's probably always great to uh, order it directly from uh, the label or from me. Then we'll just send yeah, well, it out. it's always great. To, it's always best to buy direct from the artist. If anyone out there That's listening right. doesn't know that, always buy directly from the artist if possible. Um, okay, well, <laughs> so this was super duper fun. The album is called Falling Flowers. It comes out tomorrow. It's by Eric Deutsch, my dear friend and artist, musician, composer. And I'm just so thrilled for you. And I'm so excited to, you know, just see how this album performs. It's really, really beautiful. And so thanks so much for joining me today, E. You got it. I'm, and, you know, I, I just, I'm so happy to be here and that you're doing such cool stuff and you got such a good story. Thanks for including me, Jess. I really appreciate it. Um, and maybe it's worth saying that I am playing shows for the album. I got uh, a couple yes. in New York next week, two nights in New York on the, on the 19th and uh, 20th. And then I'm going to be in a lot of the hard Mexico City in October. And uh, then we're going to be doing San Francisco and Oakland and Miami. And, and Baltimore. Uh, yeah, well, Los <laughs> Angeles. I'm working on the Baltimore and the D.C. We're going to get there. DC. But I have, I've got uh, Colorado it's, uh, around Halloween. And basically, you know, I'm so busy with Leftover Sam and I can't go out on a long two or like in a, three weeks in a row or something, but I'm just going to pop, you know, pop these dates in little holes where I can and try to come see everybody over the next six months or so. So, uh, All right, cool. so definitely follow, yeah, follow Eric on um, his socials so you can just stay up to date when he's posting. And of course I'll like share and keep everyone up to date. And that's pretty much going to do it for us here at Jess Mess and Broadcast on Lions Radio Network. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today from all over the world. We're syndicated and archived on iHeartRadio. And also with this Hurricane Florence, everyone stay safe, you know, and take care. And we will talk to you guys next week, Thursday at noon. Take care, everyone. Bye. See ya.